Welcome to the Brand Builders Love Podcast. I'm your host, Suze Chadwick, creator of Brand Builders Academy and the Amplify Accelerator. Right here on this podcast, we'll inspire you to become a bold and powerful voice in the world and claim your space with confidence. Yes, you can be bold and go against the grain to become the creative rebel you want to be. Forget average, it's time to level up. Hey, hey, welcome back to the podcast. Awesome to have you here. I'm very excited to share today's episode with you. I mean, I'm excited every week to share every episode with you, but I am speaking to one of my favorite people in the female entrepreneurial space, Miss Cherie Rubenstein, who I have known for quite a while now. I want to say about maybe five, seven years So for those people who are in Melbourne and even around Australia, you may have heard of One Roof. They are We Are One Roof on Instagram and they started their journey, which we're going to talk about. They started their journey of building Australia's number one co-working space for women in business in a mansion using Airbnb five odd years ago. And I ran I ran a workshop for them back then. And I still love the photo of sitting out in the backyard with around 30 women talking about pricing and money and packaging and all the rest of it. So I have watched Cherie on this journey for a long time. I've seen a lot of iterations. She actually takes us through her business growth journey. And then we just have a really raw, honest conversation about what it looks like to redefine success, how to get comfortable, like where you are and the things that are happening. So how to love where you are and be ambitious, but also be happy in the moment, which I think is a real struggle for a lot of ambitious women in business. It's like, I want to really enjoy where I am. I really want to celebrate all of my successes, but I'm also like ready to continue to grow. And so how do we balance that out? And we talk about a lot of other things too, but Sheree and I had breakfast a little while ago and it was just such a great conversation. I'm like, we have to talk about it on the podcast. So I'm super excited to have her on the podcast this week. Make sure that you go check out We Are One Roof. They're a beautiful community, uh, mainly in Australia, but now also have members overseas too. And they're all about community. They're all about supporting women in business. And so you know that that's what I'm all about. So I know that we've got a very, very values aligned business and ethos as well. So yeah, so I'm excited. I'm excited to share it with you. So because we talk about so much, I want to dive straight in. I don't want to keep you waiting anymore. So let's get into this week's podcast. Sheree, welcome to the Brand Builders Lab podcast. I'm very excited to be here, Suze. (laughs) So good. Now, I can't remember. I don't think I've had you on the podcast before. I feel like we chat all the time and stuff, so... Yeah, so we went out um, for a coffee or a tea a little while ago and we had such a good conversation. And then after this, it's like, God, I wish I recorded that for the podcast. It was, it was, yeah, it was good. It was good. So listen, for my audience who don't know you, and if you don't know Sheree, like you need to sort yourself out. But 
Give us a little bit of a background on yeah. you and how you started One Roof and all the rest of it, and then we'll kind of dive into what's happening now. Sure. So I started my career as a corporate lawyer. I That was not for me and didn't last very long. Um, how long was it? It was two years, okay. uh, two years too long. <laughs> and um, in that time, just really discovered the barriers that exist for women in business and leadership and was just blown away by the challenges um, for women in the corporate world, in the business world, and just was this young, naive, like, I'm going to change the world kind of person. And so, um, yeah, became really passionate about uh, removing the barriers that exist for women in business and entrepreneurship. Um, I met a mutual friend of ours, Gianna, um, yeah. and she was also on a similar kind of train of thought and mission and and thinking about ways that she could better support women in business. And we ended up joining forces and together started One Roof. Um, what year is this? Let's just let's just do a time yeah. check. What when was That's, this? Five years? Seven? It was 2015, okay. beginning of 2015, yeah, yeah, and that was kind of once we started that and built it up, that was the leap or the it gave me the confidence to really step away from my corporate job and career and, and dive fully into the business. But at the time, yeah, Gianna was always like, you don't have to commit. It's fine. There's no commitment. Like just give it a shot and let's see what happens. Um and we, yeah, had come up with this idea of creating a hub that provides everything women need to succeed in business all under one roof. And, and that was born out of just focus groups and networking events and just constantly gathering inside and doing research and understanding the challenges that women are facing. Um, and, yeah, Suze, was, you were quite instrumental in those early days and there's an amazing photo of I us know. sitting outside. We, we rented this um, beautiful Airbnb home and turned it into a co-working space I love that you say a home. It was like a mansion in it, St it Kilda. Was, right. It was amazing. <laughs> yes, yeah. a special two-storey beautiful beautiful mansion Um, and we told the landlord that we might have like a few women in the house to run some women's circles and ended up being 500 people in her home in one week Um, and it was just hugely successful and you know had lots of events and masterclasses and experts like Sue's running sessions for for the community for women in business and um, yeah people walked through and they were just like this is amazing what are you doing next and so that was the beginnings of what became One Roof. Um, and so, yeah, I am, I run One Roof um, and I am deeply passionate about supporting women in business. It's like everything that I do and stand for. I just, when I see a woman kind of step out of her comfort zone and do something that she never thought possible or, you know, defy her perceived limits, I'm just like, yep, that's, that's it. This is yeah. what I'm here on this planet to do. Um, and yeah, I'm also a mum to Goldie's now two, and I am about to have another baby in the next maybe six weeks or earlier. Let's see what happens. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Such an amazing story as well. And also like, it wasn't like that happened and then all of a sudden success. It was like, there oh, were definitely not different iterations as well. So you went from mm. St Kilda and then you moved into, was it your uncle's house in, was it Armadale? It was in Malvern, yes. So my auntie and uncle. So we kept going with this concept of um, activating unique 
locations and, and buildings and turning them into co-working spaces and kind of community spaces for women in business. That was like the business model and the kind of plan. And so Gianna had moved back to the US. So we thought, okay, cool. Well, you know, we're business partners. You dominate the US, I'll dominate Australia and it'll all be easy and peachy and wonderful and success from day one. Um, And so, yeah, we ended up Um, I took over, yeah, I used my auntie and uncle's home in Melbourne for six months before they started renovations. We also took over a women's co-working space in Sydney and the building was like soon to be demolished. So we were running it, running that space, trying to find a new um, uh, office space in Sydney to move those members. And very unglamorously, I was flying to Sydney every week and sleeping at the co-working space um, to help with the Sydney-based yeah. business. And then we also had Gianna running spaces in LA and New York. So we were in a surf lodge. We were in a another Airbnb home. We were in um, a boutique shopping mall for a while. And so, yeah, we would take on these spaces and then run events and workshops and set them up as like a co-working environment for women to to work and connect and build their businesses. Amazing. I must have missed the boutique shopping mall. That's the first time I've heard of that one. Oh, it's amazing. But I love the different concepts. It's so good. And it's, you know, the story always sounds better than the reality of it. It's like, wow, we were in Sydney, New York, we're Sydney, Melbourne, LA and New York. And we were in these really cool, weird places and building community, global community. And it was interesting and fun, um, but very hard. And we realized quite quickly that the model wasn't working. We weren't making money. We weren't, um, we had no consistency and certainty in the locations that we were taking on so while it worked well because it meant low rent or sometimes we weren't even paying rent we just it was like the the community had to keep moving we had to keep compromising our offering and it just really wasn't working in the way that we hoped and wanted it to yeah and so when you first started it Uh, I wasn't planning on going all the way back like this, but I'm just really curious now. When you first started it and you were looking at the financial model of it, like what did you need to happen in order for it to be financially successful? We needed longer-term stability in terms of, you know, we had this challenge where we didn't have funding and we didn't have the capital to outlay. So, Mm. you know, we wanted to create co-working spaces for women, but like we couldn't sign a lease, a 15-year lease and spend hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars on fit out. We didn't have any of that. So we were balancing um, trying to find opportunities with short, like with low rent, but then it often meant it was short-term leases. So I guess what we over time realized that we needed in and, and as we kept working through the business model, we realized what we needed was a lot of space. And this is a big um, need in a co-working business model. You need a lot of space and you need to be able to fit a lot of people into that space. And you're basically charging per square meter per person per square meter and you're just working out how many people you can fit into that space and charge you know ongoing regular memberships for Mm. so that was the model um and that was where Gianna and I kind of things started to break down in the partnership and and in the model itself because 
I was kind of on that path of, yeah, co-working, let's do this. This is so interesting. And Gianna was like, this is a shit model. And I just, I'm burnt out by it. And I want to do something with technology. And, and so that was when we started to go in different directions. And I ended up striking an amazing deal with a property developer in Melbourne and took on a space in South Bank. And, you know, there were plenty of issues with the space and the location, but on the whole, it gave me the opportunity to really build the business in like a, 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 you know, a space that could fit like hundreds of people. Mm. Like I, it became a fully fledged co-working business. And that was when Gianna said, that's not what I want to do. And I am, we yet, split up and kind of got rid of all the other spaces and all the other opportunities. And I brought Gianna out and, and focused on the Melbourne location, which we had for four years. Yeah. And I mean, from an evaluation perspective, was it, was it much as far as the buyout went? Cause no, just cause it was no. not, yeah, there wasn't like a stable kind of Definitely not. There was not a lot of revenue. There was definitely no profit. We were not paying ourselves a salary. Um, we, yeah, like I had a lease on the space in Melbourne, but it was an 18-month lease and then month to month after that, so zero stability basically. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it was a, a small buyout to um, honour her time and commitment yeah, and sure. get the brand. And she went on to set up um, what's now become Quilt, which is mm. um, similar to Clubhouse kind of um, app. Um, and so, yeah, but we, it was, that was very challenging. I'm sure that's a whole other podcast episode on partnership breakups, but we have maintained an incredibly strong, um, connection and I have her to thank for meeting amazing people like you. Yeah. So good. So good. And so you're in this space, which is amazing in South Bank. There were loads of events happening, which I just always used to be like, Shariza, all the events, I have no idea how you do that. Like, I just need to be on the couch at like nine o'clock at night, <laughs> like doing nothing, playing Angry Birds. Um, so I was really impressed by your stamina during that period. And so obviously COVID then hit. So we're mm-hmm. now in sort of March, 2020. When were you supposed to be out of that, that place anyway? Cause it was kind of coming to an end, wasn't it? Or had it come to an end? Yeah. So pre COVID it came, it did come to an yeah. end um, basically even before that. So I ran, I ended up having four years on a space that I thought I was going to have like 18 months. So it ended up being an incredible opportunity. Mm. Um, I built it up. It became the leading co-working space in Australia for women-led businesses. It was well-known globally. Um, I then off the back of having great success, you know, we had a small team, we had about 180 tenants. We were doing three or four events a day. Like it was just humming. Um, I was able to raise capital and so I raised a million dollars from a group of investors who were predominantly women and really passionate about what I was doing and really excited about the growth and saw the business as more than just a co-working space for women. Um, And, yeah, I told them, you know, the plan, I love plans, that never go to plan was <laughs> I, I will, I will raise the money and then I will secure, use that money to secure a flagship site. I will migrate all of our members over. And then once we get noticed to have to vacate that building in South Bank, it will be fine because I've already moved everyone over. That is not the way any of it panned out. I yeah. raised the capital and then I literally a couple months later got the call that I have three months to vacate the building. And 
what I'd realized, and I that it turned into a bit of a, cry, a serious crisis mode. Um, but it, yeah, I had three months, and in that time, my energy went into focusing on supporting our members and community, and making sure that they found a new home. Um, you know, we had tons of event clients. We had to like help them find new locations for their event. You know, for their events. Yeah. Um, like, how far ahead were you booked out for stuff like that? Oh, like a year ahead. Yeah, we wow. had so many events. Go- and look, it was okay. always a risk I was yeah. taking on. I just, you're building a business and things are going well and you're just hoping, you're hopeful, you know. And most of our members knew about this, you know, this this uh, situation that we were in. So none of them were were shocked, which was important to me that I was honest. Yeah. And actually a lot of the, a lot of the event clients also knew as well. So it was okay. No one was upset or angry. It just I wanted to make sure yeah. that I supported the community and there was a, a, a good transition. I also realized that I hadn't raised enough money and rents just kept going up. And so I found myself in this position where I'm pounding the pavement, trying to find a new location. Property is not my area of expertise. I'm talking to hundreds of agents. I know every single commercial property in Melbourne um, and I'm trying to secure a lease and um, and it's not happening because I don't want to compromise on my vision, but I also don't really have the funds to take on the level of risk that was needed. So yeah. I was in a very difficult position. Um, honestly, there were times where I was very ready to give up and there was moments and I was pregnant as well, where yeah. I was like, this is just, I can't do this. And what am I, you know, I really... But it was an incredibly challenging, stressful, hard time. Um, and then um, I I found, I secured a lease. I secured a site yeah. in Cremorne, a new building, and I was really excited. And it was going to be this amazing flagship space, like similar to the wing in the US. And we were going, we had amazing architects and interior designers. And we were going to do, like, it would have been truly amazing. Um and for was, the amount that you had secured in funding? I was taking on a lot of risk, but yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the way that we were structuring the deal was that I was going to get an amount from the landlord so that they could pay for the fit out. And then there was an amount from investors to cover the cost of the first year of, of um, rent. But realistically, I probably would have had to raise again. Um, and it would have all depended on how well we could sell and, mm. and um you know, get the space, kind of get enough people into the space all yeah. while I was about to have a baby, of course. <laughs> You're and- such an underachiever, Sheree. <laughs> but Long. also I just want to step back into the vision because I remember ages ago you and I having a conversation about what that vision was and I was like, get out of town, girl. Like that is amazing. So I just quickly want you to give an overview, a snapshot of what that Cremorne building and what that vision like would have been. And I remember the conversation that we had and the vision and what ended up being was not entirely as I had described it to you. But the idea was to create a space that literally provides everything women need to succeed in business in that space. And so it's like the way I had described it to you was different levels and each level as you go up the building would be, you know, um, your early stage entrepreneurs down the bottom. And then as you go up, you kind of get more established. And then what I wanted was to have childcare at the top. So the kids on the, on the roof, Um, it was very difficult to find a property that 
could suit that. But um, the one that we found in Cremorne definitely would have had those elements just on one floor. And so it was going to have beautiful meeting rooms, conferencing facilities, event space. And, you know, our our event space was very much known as a go-to if you were running events for women, Mm. you know, for women in leadership, like lots of corporates using it to do big leadership um, sessions for their female staff, um, lots of community organisations running, um, you know, pitch nights for women or sessions on raising capital for women. So I really like that was a big focus of, of, you know, you come and work in this space as a woman running a business and then it's like, oh, cool, I can go and attend a great event right there that is relevant to my needs. Mm. Um, we also, I was going to have a business lounge and I really saw this business lounge as like, you know, beautifully designed, really speaks to, to, to women. Like you kind of walk in there and you, I, I'm looking at Suze's office right now and that's <laughs> like a lot of inspiration, the colour, the plants, the that vibe. But also a place um, you want to be, yeah. A place you want to be and also a place you want to do deals. And I thought about that a lot. Like I wanted that business lounge to be a space where it was like, come in and, you know, you talk to investors and you talk to potential clients and you, it's like a lot of deals are going on and opportunities are being created for women in that space. We also wanted to have a meditation yoga area. We were going to have a breastfeeding room, a kid's area, and also like a bit of a retail space where we would have um, women-led businesses, you know, showcasing products um, and that that would rotate. Mm. So it was just, it would have been epic, um, but it wasn't to be. <laughs> That's all right. I still love the vision. You never know when these visions be- can become reality in the future if that's something that you still want to do. So where now, what, so when are we? Where are we here? What date? What time? So we're now, as in like in this yeah. in story. So, yeah, we at a, so it was Feb, January um, and we were. 2020. So yeah, 2020, yeah. and I had made the decision to continue with the business because that was a big call that I wasn't sure and obviously wasn't didn't feel comfortable to share that with investors but was having lots of meetings with advisors and friends and people to, to kind of be, say to them, like, am I crazy? Should I keep doing this? Is this going to work? Am I taking on too much financial risk? And the overall sentiment was, as long as you're, there's certain things you'd risk mitigation, things you're doing, it seems okay. Um, and to go for it. And so I was in the mindset of let's go hard, let's make this work. I'd hired, you know, I'd, I'd hired someone from WeWork to come over and help us open the space and um, was kind of getting everything ready so that we could start fit out as I um, was going to have a baby. And then my partner, and his his team and business were going to help with a lot of the fit out um, while I was kind of on a mat leave, which was never going to be a real mat leave. Um, and then COVID hit, mm. and COVID hit, and so we hadn't started fit out yet. And I, um, Goldie, my daughter, was born one week into the first lockdown in Melbourne, so everything just went on hold, and I just felt this immense sense of like calm and a time to just kind of go okay well the world world's gone to shit so I don't need to make any decisions obviously called like the the agents and the landlords and said well we're not and and our architects and builders and we're like well everything's on pause like I'm not doing anything until we know what's going on I hadn't signed a lease which was I was just about to say yeah 
I'd signed a heads of agreement, but not a lease, hadn't paid a deposit, hadn't paid, like nothing. Like I cannot believe my luck. Um, and then as time went on, the investors started to put pressure on me just to say like, sure, we're in the middle of a pandemic, but you have our money and you've got to make a call. Like you can't just sit on this for months. Are you doing this? Are you not? If you're not, do you need our money? If you don't, let's take our money back. Like you've got to start making some calls. And um, yeah, one of the hardest, but I think probably best decision I made was to return the capital to investors, walk away from that deal in Cremorne, which I could with no unscathed and just say, I'm not willing to take on the risk in this market and there's way too much uncertainty and I've lost confidence in the model. And um, I'm going to pivot the business, create a digital offering. And I still remember it, the advise, an advisor calling me saying, Sheree, just go on Zoom, get everyone on Zoom, rebuild your membership, like keep it simple, but just start getting some revenue in again and let's see what happens. And that was the best advice I've ever been given. Um, I cried a lot of tears when I made the call to return the capital to investors. It is so hard as a woman to raise money. That whole process was so challenging, so stressful, but also once I'd made the call, I knew it was right. And um, yeah, and that was the beginning of basically starting a new business. Yeah. And I mean, I just want to say there as well, like I remember when we were chatting at the CAF that it's such a mixed emotions as well because there's the difficulty of raising the capital but then there's the relief of not taking on such a massive risk when you've literally just had a baby and also just where the world was Mm. and I just want to talk about that like when we make decisions and then we realize that that's not the decision that we want to make (laughs) I feel like people feel like they've failed or something but I just think it's like we the world moves, things happen. And sometimes the decisions we make don't always carry through. So how did you sort of feel during Mm. that period around like so much effort and then kind of it's all got like all of that's now gone? Yeah. So I don't regret any of it. I'm so glad I went through the process. I, you know, I've done it. I've learned about it. I can share my knowledge, which is always important for me to be able to share. So I, there's zero regrets in terms of the journey. Um, and I feel proud that I was able to do it. Um, there, there was an immense sense of failure that I felt and, and that failure was predominantly towards my investors more than anybody else. It, okay. it really felt like I'd failed them. Like I said I was going to do something and I'm a person of my word and I take it very seriously and, you know, I didn't like and the vision died and the whole kind of journey that we were on died. So I had to probably mourn that and really just sit with that feeling. But then I also had that coupled with the feeling of, like you said before, that this incredible relief and this incredible underlying knowing that it's no longer right and that's okay. And actually I feel deeply like grateful and almost blessed that COVID hit when it did and not five months later because I really would have been in the shit if it did because I would have invested an incredible amount of money and the the like I don't even know what would have happened to yeah. the business. So I yeah, I feel that um 
as much as I can say I failed my investors, at the end of the day, I gave them every dollar back. So yeah. they didn't lose any money. So, yeah. you know, uh, it's, it's, um, it's interesting when we, when we take on these, you know, for me to take it on as a failure when really like, yeah, it, it, in looking at it, I did the right thing and it's all worked out and it's all okay. Um, but it's just something that I've had to kind of stomach and deal with and, and learn from. But um, I'm very grateful because it then meant that I packed up and left and went to Byron for two years. I had an incredible amount of time with my daughter that I never thought I would. Yeah. I have, to, you know, now the business is online and it means that I can now like about to have another baby and not feeling the stress of having to be in an office every day, not feeling the financial pressure. Like there's been so many positive flow on effects. Um, even like financially, I've ended up being able to take dividends out of the business that I never would have done because when you're in growth phase and you've got investors, you can't take money off the table. Like you've got to invest that into growth. Mm. So financially I've done better. It, it's actually worked out better for me in every way. Yeah. Which is amazing. Mm. Yeah. And I just think sometimes we've just got to look at that journey as well and just know that like things that happen happen for a reason and that the timing was like you said, kind of perfect, even though it was made a bit of a hot mess at the time. Mm. And so now with the one roof membership what's your what's your kind of vision for it now what are you thinking yeah so now we are an online membership for female leaders and entrepreneurs we provide kind of a full suite of support which was actually everything we used to do at the co-working yeah. space just without the physical space so it's the networking it's the business coaching it's the weekly master classes the conferences um, women's founder circles and accountability groups um, and, and it's really just building a great community and, and ensuring that women feel supported and we can help them boost their brand and visibility and get their name and their business out there and, and kind of meet the right people to get the support that they need. So, you know, we're, we're close to a thousand members and now we're Australia wide and even globally. Um, and so, you know, the scale and the reach and the potential becomes infinite compared to a physical space. Um, where we go with it is still fairly open. I, and I'm just like, I'm just excited about what we can do. I think, you know, that we're in an era now that's kind of like this Netflix um, uh, subscription kind of era where we're all expecting kind of on demand, you know, pay a monthly subscription and get all these things on demand. And so whether we become some kind of like Netflix of professional development for entrepreneurial women or, you know, some other kind of tech mm. that allows us to grow, like even doing these women founder circles, um, I think has been working really well and is quite interesting. So matching women into their kind of core group of five. So they've got an advisory board that they meet with over a period of time. Um, I think there's a lot of different products and options um, and paths we can go down. But, yeah, it's um, just I can see the, sc the scale and reach is just so much more. And now we partner with co-working spaces. So rather than I no longer have to raise capital, you know, take on all the risk and fit out office space, we just partner with all co-working spaces across Australia and run the in-person catch-ups at their spaces and it's actually working really, Amazing. really well. 
Yeah, so good. All of the benefits with none of the responsibility. Seriously. I love it. So good. And so the other thing that we were chatting about when we got together was, you know, both of us were saying we're in a place where I think before now we're just constantly like running a million miles an hour. It's like you're constantly reaching for the next thing. You're going bigger. You're thinking about what the next big move is going to be. And I was saying to you, I just feel like right now I'm almost in a place of just wanting to enjoy like, you know, the business is, like you said, you you know, the business is making money. You don't have the responsibility, you know, and, and I'm sort of in a really great place and just trying to not always be reaching, but just trying to enjoy like what you've built and kind of not feeling like you always have to be on. Absolutely. And I loved when you said it, because it just was such a reminder to me of like, yes, let's just stop and and appreciate what we're doing and actually enjoy it because what's the point of doing any of this if we're not enjoying it and I yeah when I was in um as I said I spent nearly two years in in the Byron Shire so it was like near Mullumbimby in Brunswick Head so a bit out of Byron Bay and I just found that the conversations and the energy there and you know you know kind of what the energy is and brings but (laughs) it it's just a much calmer, slower, uh, more, you know, holistic, more kind of in touch with your emotions and your energy and your your physical body and everything kind of environment. And, mm. you know, I did leadership programs while I was there, particularly my cousin Anna Rubenstein runs amazing rites of passage leadership programs. And, and all these things that I did while I was there and the conversations that I had just kept reminding me of the importance of slowing down. And I even had moments when I would take a day off work or time off work and sales would come through or like an opportunity, you know, I'd see an email in my inbox where this amazing opportunity came up and it was just like, Sheree, look at that. Like you don't have to hustle at a million miles an hour for that opportunity to come in. And it it, um, really, really like COVID for me, COVID becoming the combination of COVID becoming a mum, the complete change in my business and spending time in that, that Byron region shifted my entire definition of success and my whole thinking around, you know, what's important to me. And, And it's hard for me because I am a naturally highly ambitious person. I am always thinking the next thing. I am always wanting growth and scale and bigger and, you know, talk to people and think, oh, I'm inadequate. And, you know, all that shit comes up. But I definitely keep coming back to this realization that I want to enjoy where I'm at and I don't believe in hustle for the sake of hustle. And I love the idea of building a lifestyle and a way of living that's just as important as building a successful business. And I don't really want a big team in an office. And I don't, you know, like those things are no longer important to me, whereas they they used to be. And I probably wouldn't have admitted it, but it was things that I saw as a measure of success. So really reprogramming my brain and, and my thinking around my measures of success has been a huge huge life change. That's so amazing. And I do think, you know, we do go through different stages of life as well. Like obviously the pandemic was a, you know, a definite, you know, kind of (laughs) massive, massive thing that we all went through. But I just think, 
at some point you'll be going a million miles an hour and that might still come back, but it's also just kind of those ebbs and flows where when things are going well, just stop and appreciate it and acknowledge it and celebrate like what you've built and allow yourself to sit in that for a while. I think sometimes we're like, yeah, that was amazing. Okay, next. And I'm the same as you. It's like that balance between ambition and enjoying. <laughs> it's like trying not to constantly. And I think and I think you can still move forward, but I think it's just a different energy. Yeah, mm, of like enjoying absolutely. what you've got and um and continuing to grow but just in a way that totally works for you rather yeah. than trying to keep up with mm. like others or whatever's happening in the freaking market. Exactly. And and I, I will also add just the, like really acknowledging and knowing when you're feeling that anxiety and that stress and you can see, like if you stop and tune in and take a moment to look at what's going on, you know if you're like about to reach burnout or you're feeling highly anxious all the time or things are out of whack in your body or like you're just on edge and you're not enjoying it or, you know, and, and I, yeah, I guess also because I am about to have another baby, I, I am in this mode of, of pregnancy and like I did a hypnobirthing class on the weekend and I, I definitely think I'm in the mode of thinking a lot about how do women better nurture themselves mm. and put themselves first and not just say it and just like, yeah, we all talk about it. Like, yes, we need to meditate and we need to sleep more. And we're like, it's wonderful to say these things, but if it's just another thing on your to-do list to do, then it's not a value and mm. really, really stopping and taking the time to go like, am I okay? And if I'm not, what do I need to change? And what support do I need to get to better nurture myself? And in that moment, it's not about like growing the business tenfold. That's not the most important thing right now. It's my health and my well-being and my mental, you know, state. And how do I focus on that so that I can actually be a good leader, business owner, role model, mum, everything. Yeah, absolutely. And I just did an episode, it was episode 207 on reset, reassess and reset. Um, and so many people have been feeling it. It's like we came out of the pandemic and everybody just kept running. It was just like all of a sudden, all hands on deck, like let's go back into it. And it was really, that episode was really about sitting because I really felt like Q1 of 2022, I was just kind of walking through fog. Like the business was doing really well. We were making great money, amazing clients, but there was just something that wasn't quite right. And just sitting down and going, what do I want? What is happening in my head? Like, what do, what do I need to shift? Like, and it was also questions around being a, you know, being the mom I want and having the relationship I want and what kind of friendships, that was a big one for me. Mm. Who do I want to spend my time with? That's fun for me, where mm. I feel supported. I can have a laugh. We have rich conversations. Like I just think, you know, especially during the lockdown and stuff, like the friendships, women and friendships, women and networks, women and commute, like communities, we, that's, I think that's where we thrive. I think that when we can be surrounded by other women who get us and who want to support us and where you can have these incredible 
honest conversations. Like it feeds the soul. And I feel like we've been starving for two years because whilst online is great as well, it's it's kind of the long conversations that you kind of want to have. So, I mean, I used to do Zooms with girlfriends where we'd chat for like an hour because you kind of want to have that, that kind of feeds you. But yeah, I just, I think that just reassessing, like if you ever feel, and one thing I hear all the time is I've just lost my mojo. Like I don't feel as passionate or excited about the business as I did. And I think one of the things that, you know, I've kind of spoken about or that I've spoken, heard spoken about in my mastermind a lot is the whole thing that your business really is a revenue generator for you. You can be passionate about it. You can absolutely have a vision for it. You can love it. But I think it's about it is not your whole self. And it's about bringing that whole self to the table with friendships, relationships, motherhood, if that's part of your world personal development and learning, like how you're nourishing your mind. Like this is just so, we're such complex, you know, multidimensional beings that business is just one of the things. And I just don't think in business we talk about that enough. Mm, absolutely. And it, yeah, it's funny. I'm just thinking of my dad who's at a point in his life where he has, you know, really like very hardworking work 24 seven. And then now has been kind of moved out of his business and doesn't know what to do. Like he, this, that's what he's done. And so you really see when, when work is your be all and end all, um, it, it's very hard and you have these different points in your life where you do start to question everything and it does kind of all feel like it's falling to shit. And it's like, I've lost my mojo. I don't know what I'm doing. What's the point of any of this? And it's really hard times to be in, but I also think it's really profound times because it, it's what ignites you to find new opportunities or find hobbies or rebuild those areas of yourself or even just sit back and ask those questions. Like, is this what I still want to be doing? Like, how good are those questions just mm. to sit with? And I, yeah, I'm, I, or I like journaling. And so I'll often just write the questions down in a journal and just, it's like, all right, today I'm just going to sit with that question. Like, is that is this serving me? Is this something I want? Why am I feeling anxious about this particular thing? Um, I think it's very profound to sit with those questions and and then, yeah, it's what drives you into creating important change. And also I want to emphasize and reinforce what you said about networks and your support group. It's everything. And I will say every single door that's ever opened for me in my life, in my business, in my career, in everything has been through people who have backed me through, you know, I, I'm, I'm Susan. I'm probably very similar like this extroverts do love to meet new people. I've actually really like putting myself in very uncomfortable situations <laughs> where I don't know anyone and I'm doing some weird leadership program or some weird camping thing. And I'm just totally out of my comfort zone, but I actually just, I need it for growth. Like I'm, yeah, crave that growth and I, and I'm a lover of meeting people. And I will say that that network is everything. And so I'm always like, I just want to build a network to support other women so that I can offer my network to them so that they can also grow and doors open for them. Ah, preach sister. So good. So good. And I love, um, I saw a, I saw a little diagram on LinkedIn the other day and it was like, it kind of had, you know, um, a line and then it had a, a kind of, you know, doing your best. 
And then there was a gap and then another sort of line at the end that was doing what's required. And in between doing your best and doing what's required is your growth. And just really always taking a look at, and it's not always business, but it is just how do I want to grow as a person and like, what do I want to learn and do? And, and also like, what kind of life do I want to create? You know, and it's, you know, like you were sort of saying, you being just taking the day off when you were up in Byron and, you know, not working all the time, not being at like a million events, all the rest of it. I think you've just got to really take a look and ask yourself, why am I building this business? Why do I want this business? And also, why did I maybe leave corporate to have a business? Because we wanted the flexibility. We wanted to be able to do the things that we want. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that a little bit because we're just like so obsessed with like everything going on in the business. So I don't know if it's an age thing. I don't know if it's just a post-COVID thing. I don't know what it is, but it's just so it's so much more prominent now where it's just like, what kind of life do I want to have? And how does my business support me building that life? Absolutely. And it's like you said, surround yourself with people who are also asking those questions and in a similar, in a similar frame of mind. And if you don't know them, then seeking out experts like yourself who can support you, because if you don't, if you can't do it yourself, which I know I'm someone who can't, I I can't sit in my head and kind of work these things out on my own. So I need to bounce it around with others. I think that is a really valuable way of spending money and time to make sure that you've got your support. Like you always need a personal advisory board in your life, you know, and that's like for your health, for your, for your, you know, physical health, for your, like it's doctors, it's psychologists, it's business coaches, it's, you know, other business owners in similar, like it's, you need that, that Mm. ecosystem of support always. Yeah. And I think that we're really lucky that we can do it. Like, you know, Mm. that's not always been the case. And so I just think it's about prioritizing and seeking it out and and making sure that you get what you need. But so good, Sheree. I know you and I can just be like, na, 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 all day long. But yeah, I always love our conversations and I always feel like there's always gems in them as well, which is why I wanted to get you on the podcast to share. But for my audience who are all incredible women in business all over the world, uh, where can they find you? We will have all of your links in the show notes as well, but where's the best place to connect with One Roof? Yep. So our website is weareoneroof.com. We're very active on socials and our handle is weareoneroof, you know, across everything, but mostly active on Instagram. Um, And yeah, we love to chat, reach out to us, depending on when this episode goes out. We have an unspoken conference coming up in a few weeks. And if it's not that, then we've got a Women in Tech Summit happening in September. So there's always like big public thick conferences and things that we're doing as well but you know if you're interested in becoming a member just reach out to us and have a chat and we can explain more amazing thank you so much for hanging and having a chat today thanks Suze. love it ah just so good did you love that chat did you love that conversation i'd love to know what was your main takeaway from that conversation? I do think that redefining success, which is obviously what I called this podcast, is such an important thing. Like we go through so many different stages of our lives and the market changes, we change, everything changes. And so I just think we've always got to be looking at what do I want now 
And how does my idea of success align with what I want? You know, I talked about reassessing and resetting a couple of episodes ago and asking yourself these questions. And so when Sheree and I had this conversation, it just really landed for so much that I've been, you know, around what I've been talking about this year to you as well and how you can really define what success is for you and not always be looking at what everybody else defines as success, not be looking at, you know, those numbers that you need to hit or, you know, whether it's your social numbers or your revenue numbers or whatever else it is, you know, if somebody else values something in particular, doesn't mean that that's has to be your definition of success. And so I think it's always good for us just to have that check in with ourselves again. And I love that whilst obviously Rona was not, was not a joy for anybody. I've just found it really interesting that for some people, it was actually such a pivotal turning point in a positive way that has now allowed them the freedom to be able to have the life that they want as well. So you know, silver linings, even when it's a really, really crappy dark cloud. But anyway, listen, I hope that you enjoyed that podcast episode. I absolutely love this conversation. Make sure you go say hi to Sheree and the team at We Are One Roof. We will have all of their links in the show notes as well so that you can go and check them out. And I think that we're in time or maybe, maybe just in time for the Unspoken Conference when this episode is released as well. So make sure you go and check that out too. Uh, And depending on when you go check that out, if you use the word or the code friends, then you get 50% off as well on that ticket. So there you go. That's it for another week. Amazing to have you here. Just remember, you can always connect with me on Instagram at Suze Chadwick. If you've got any questions, I am here for it. Happy to answer them for you. Feel free to share this episode if you got a lot of value out of it. And I cannot wait to see you next week back here on the podcast.